Hello everyone, my name is Ravi Kumar, President at Infosys. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today on this new version of Trailblazers. Uh, today's guest is Linda Jojo, the Executive Vice President for Technology and Chief Digital Officer for United Airlines. Linda is responsible for information technology, data analytics, digital products, e-commerce, cybersecurity, and the airline's digital strategy. Over the years, Linda has been a part of uh, many Global 2000 firms on leadership roles in, in technology. And um, most recently, she was awarded the Chicago 2017 CIO of the Year and named to Crane's Chicago Business 2016 and 2018 Tech 50. Very passionate about uh, STEM careers, evangelizing STEM careers. Um, she's a member of the Board of Trustees of the Rensselaer Polytechnic in New York. Linda is an independent director since 2015 in the board of Exelon as well. Uh, interestingly, both United and Exelon are uh, very distinguished clients of Infosys. Thank you, Linda, for joining us today, and thanks for your time today. Thanks, Ravi. Great to be here. Though I really wish I got on an airplane and saw you in person. Thank you. I look forward to it as well. I look forward to it as well. And I'm a, I'm a global services customer of United, so I always love uh, flying on United. Linda, you know. Um, I want to pivot the first question on uh, evangelizing STEM careers as a passion of yours. Uh, and over the years, the community of technocrats have been uh, kind of grappling with this problem of diversity and inclusivity in uh, tech careers and tech and digital careers. In some ways, there is a divide. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about what your views are on how we could uh, bridge this divide as a community. And I'm, I'm not sure whether this is also an inflection point as work gets democratized. Yeah, that's actually an interesting point, Raleigh. But, um, you know, one of the things that I know about myself in my career is that I had people uh, in my life early on, particularly my father and my uncle, but also a high school math teacher, that really encouraged me to pursue a career in STEM. In my case, it was computer science. And that was important because for some reason, um, young girls... Uh, drop off in their in their love of technology between the junior hires when they get to college. And if we can't solve the pipeline problem of getting uh, young women interested in those careers, it's going to be very, very difficult to meaningfully move, uh, move the dial in, um, in executive ranks and technology jobs. And I'm guessing mentoring and role modeling are probably the two big things in uh, in bridging the divide in many ways. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I think uh, it doesn't matter what you're talking about. If you see someone who looks like you doing a job, you're more likely to think you can do it too. So I think that's super, super important. Linda, you know, I'm going to switch over to uh, your, your core job of uh, managing the technology of an airline. Uh, this has been one of the most difficult periods for airline travel. Uh, there is safety of employees, safety of uh, safety of flyers and customers. Uh, how have you tackled with it, and how have you powered this whole uh, transition to this new normal, as people call it, uh, leveraging digital technologies? Uh, tell us a little bit about what United is doing on, in the space. Yeah, I mean, there certainly was nothing that could prepare us uh, for the the speed and the impact that the pandemic had on United and actually on all airlines across the world. Um, we sat at a boardroom in middle of February and we had started to see that this was impacting China. 
but when it moved to Europe, and in particular when it moved to Italy, it became pretty clear that this was going to become something that was going to impact the U.S. And just three weeks later, traffic had literally stopped. By that point, we were all working from home. Um, we were no one was traveling uh, in cars, never mind in uh, in airlines, and so it was a massive change. And you know, we were an airline sized for over 4,000 flights a day, carrying half a million people a day. And there was one day in April that we carried only 10,000 passengers. Wow. Uh, to, to put that in perspective, uh, we have 14,000 pilots, so we had more pilots than we did passengers in the middle of April. And so you have to re-examine everything. At that point, it was really about cash preservation and really uh, getting ourselves to survive so we could raise the capital needed to continue on. And so we did a lot of stopping of projects, and that's not something uh, that you try and do when you're in a job like that. You're trying to use technology and start technology, and so instead we, instead we stopped it. Um, but rather than kind of sit around and feel sorry for ourselves, what I'm super proud of of the team at United is that uh, we quickly pivoted. Our customers' needs changed overnight. Those that were flying, in many cases, were medical personnel or people that really, for whatever reason, had to get where they were going. It's more important than ever that we uh, supported those customers. Obviously, cleanliness and understanding the safety of the aircraft became super important. And so, uh, you know, for example, um, we rolled out touchless kiosks in the airports. That was something that was not an idea in February. Yet by early May, we had rolled it out to 200 airports. So we had to completely pivot on the work that we were doing. We've done many other things since then. Um, as travel started to come back, uh, what came back first is something called visiting friends and relatives. So you were going to maybe not staying in a hotel, but going to stay at someone else's home. Uh, that's a very different kind of a traveler uh, than a business traveler. Uh, other people said they wanted to go somewhere, but they wanted to go somewhere safe. And, and to them, that might have meant going to a beach. To others, it may mean going to a national park, and maybe it's to go uh, golf or something. And so we introduced a search by map function on our website so that you could say where, you're, where you are, where you are, and we would show on the map all the different locations you could go to based on the activities you want. That's something that, uh, as an airline that is, it tends to be focused more on business travel, uh, is not something that was really a high priority for us. But as our customers shifted, as those business travels became people that were visiting friends and relatives, we added that product to our website. And I could go on and on with other examples. That, that, that was a very good, um, uh, very good summary of uh, where you are. And where do you see the future of travel now with, um, in many ways, um, uh, even after the vaccine is out, uh, uh, you know, our sense is it's going to be less uh, business travel. Um, in fact, um, uh, you know, I was reading a report, 50% uh, of the profits of most airlines come from business travel, while only 12 to 15% of that travel is uh, business, which essentially means there's going to be a skewness in terms of how airline uh, travel is going to be, and work is going to become much more hybrid. So business travel is going to kind of come down, at least that's the forecast. Uh, so where do you see the future of travel for airlines coming in? Uh, coming in? Yeah, you know, I certainly don't have a different crystal ball than anyone else in terms of what's going to come back. But I guess my perspective is is one that. Uh, you know, people, we are social, we connect with people, we connect in person. 
there is a there is going to be a desire to do that again. I do think that maybe that awful runner you would take from New York to London for uh, you know a lunch meeting and then turn around and come back. Maybe those meetings aren't going to go uh, aren't going to be around right away. But I think the first time you see um, a competitor perhaps close a deal because they went face to face with a customer and you try to do it over a video call. Uh, you might rethink the fact that you actually want to go to that customer. There's also, I think, a different dynamic, and, and that is uh, as, as different companies say you can have a more flexible job, and as some companies, particularly in the tech industry, have said um, you can live anywhere, I think there's a possibility for another dynamic in that uh, there will be travel back from wherever that anywhere is back to the home office um, for different reasons, to whether it's uh, to, to ensure that the culture stays the same, to drive certain messages, to collaborate. And so I think in some ways there may be a chance where we're trading a daily car um, commute to a weekly or monthly uh, plane commute that could happen as well. Absolutely. In fact, just switching gear, you know, I'm a part of the World Economic Forum, uh, some of the working groups. And one of the things we were talking about is the digital passport for travelers essentially mm -hmm. has testing information and vaccine information and stuff like that. I was just wondering how would the progress happen if we start to integrate contact tracing, um, the vaccination, the rollout of the vaccination program, and then the safety and measures of what airlines are doing. Uh, is that an integrated value chain you see? Uh, with technology powering it, so that you could um, you could uh, be much safer as uh, as travel really takes off. Yeah. Well, you know, we're, we're taping this uh, in the middle of December, and so maybe some of the things I'm going to say are going to get stale pretty quick because it's moving just so fast. But we're sitting here just before we expect that the vaccine is going to be um, authorized for emergency use in the U.S. It's a week where um, it was the first vaccines were given in the UK. And so this is changing very quickly. But um, we're already right now seeing certain jurisdictions uh, requiring negative COVID tests in order to travel or to avoid a quarantine. Uh, we do think that this is going to change pretty uh, rapidly to proof of vaccine or proof of antibodies. Um, what's happening though is this is happening at a very different rate, and it's happening individually. This is a this is a, um, a you know a, a regulatory type event where regulators in one country or one state may require one thing, and other states require others. We're already seeing this with uh, the testing and quarantine rules, and it's super complicated for our customer service agents. Say in uh, in Newark, getting ready to board a flight for people going to Tel Aviv, understanding what are all the requirements of Israel for people flying in from New Jersey, um, and they're changing. And so uh, there has to be a digital solution to this. And we have actually built a travel-ready platform. We actually started this way back in February when it was going the other way, as we were closing down, as the U.S. was closing down different places where people could travel, um, we realized that it was going to have to open back up again, and it might open back up in a similar kind of disjointed way. So we built a travel-ready platform that is going to help customers understand what they need to do to travel, what's required and where they're going, based on where they're coming from, and also making sure our employees can understand how that's going to work as well. And would you see, Linda, that um, the airline regulatory authorities can play a bigger role by bringing all the airlines together on one 
um, you know, digital um, travel platform, as you mentioned. I think that's a very interesting idea of a digital travel platform. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think certainly individual airlines are going to have some role. For example, we require people to wear masks uh, to, as, a, as a requirement, and many of the U.S. airlines have already done the same. As far as the standards around this travel body, um, I think it's going to—it's moving faster than a standards body can handle. I do think that the major um, standards, whether it's the, the various airline alliances or IATA or um, some of the you know national groups, are doing our best to try and uh, align and agree. But it's moving so fast. We've just taken the position that we're going to have one that we're going to use ourselves, and we're going to actually integrate with every standard we can find. If a standard set, we will we will integrate with it. Because we think it's just going to move for a while here pretty quick. Maybe a year from now, it'll settle down and there'll be one, and that'll simplify our life too. Thank you, Linda. That was very insightful. In fact, uh, I just wanted to switch gear and check on um, customer experience and customer service. Mm -hmm. Uh, as a global services customer of United, I can tell you that um, you know I thoroughly enjoy that process of how you manage a customer value chain. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the digital uh, interventions you've actually gone done in United, specifically related to customer experience and customer service? And is that going to change as we get to the other side of the crisis? Yeah. Well, you know, um, we recognize that we have to support. Uh, people that travel a lot, like yourself, who's a global services member, but also the fact that there's many, many customers uh, pre-pandemic that only traveled once or twice a year on United. And so we needed to support um, all of those groups, even those, those, those customers and everybody in between. And so um, we really worked on how do we de-stress the experience and how do we use technology to do that? And our mobile app uh, is one that, especially on day of travel, um, it's very contextual. It knows where you are in the journey and uh, can help you if you're landing at a connecting airport. It can actually tell you how to get to your next gate. Uh, when you're on board, we can help you with Wi-Fi or uh, entertainment with one click. Uh, you can track your bags. You can do all of those things on the mobile app. And we haven't stopped innovating with that. Uh, we just recently uh, put an upgrade in, and we now make it much more easy to use for those that are vision uh, impaired, the folks that use those different applications that are our screen, screen readers. We've reorganized and reoriented our user interface so it works better in that area. Um, but we're also doing things, I think, uh, because of the pandemic and because of uh, safety and cleanliness, there's a lot of things that we can do to make that experience better. And, and something we just um, just are ruling out right now are what we're calling agent on demand. And that's when you need help. You're already in the airport and you need help. Maybe you want to check if your upgrade is clear and you want to change from an aisle seat to a window seat. Or maybe there's been some kind of disruption in your travel and you need to, you need to change your flight or do something like that. The way you would have done this uh, before our agent on demand uh, system is you probably would have waited in line somewhere. You would have called and been in a queue, or you would have physically waited in line. Nobody wants to do that, especially um, in a pandemic. And so with agent on demand, you actually scan a, you scan a QR code, and you're put into a virtual queue, and you're connected to a well to whichever you want. You can you can go voice, you can go text, but you can also go with a video chat with a live agent who will service you wherever you happen to be in the airport. And we think that things like that um, are certainly um, the, the, the future of where we're going to go. 
where you know uh, i'm going to remember the agent on demand thing that's that seems to be a very interesting one uh, Linda, switching gear you know one of the other things technology played a big role in uh, in airlines was uh, forecasting forecasting for business forecasting on customer models forecasting on traffic mm -hmm. and um, all the past data is pretty much uh, inconsequential now so right. we're going to reset to a new world in fact the other day i was reading a reading an article about the weather forecasts and it, you know, it, I was astonished to know that weather forecasts have gone for a toss in the last nine months because there isn't enough airline data available because they, they depended heavily on airline airline data, real airline data for weather forecasts. Where do you see forecasting uh, go and what models are you going to use? Uh, yeah. For the future? I mean, it will be very interesting to know how you're going to do this with not much data being relevant. Right. Well, we do a lot based on demand forecasting, and I think that's what you're probably talking about. If you can't forecast demand, um, you know, how do you position in terms of when to fly, how often to fly, how big an airplane to fly, uh, and then uh, as important to our CFO, how much we're going to charge for those tickets. And so, um, you know, I think we're lucky in the fact that our tools around AI and machine learning are getting better and better, and they're able to draw inferences with smaller and smaller um, amounts of data, it's, it's, it's getting much more precise and so, um, and we can actually move it much faster. So we can learn as our customers are changing. One thing may not surprise you is that our customers are booking much more closer to the day of travel than they were historically. Um, there's not a lot of planning. You're waiting to see to make sure that wherever you're going is going to be open and making sure that you're healthy until you kind of know that you're, you're holding off on travel. We've also uh, permanently eliminated change fees, and so there's really you can change it if you if you get there. So those two things together are changing the demand forecast. And I can tell you that our data analytics team is working very closely with our revenue management team uh, to effectively rebuild those models. Thank you, Linda. I'm going to squeeze in one last uh, one last sure. quick, second uh, question for you. Uh, these are very hard times for leaders like you. What was the most testing time for you? Do you recollect something which was the most hardest, you know, the hardest moment for you? Yeah, well, I think that actually, um, it's, it's, it's actually an easier answer perhaps. And that is, um, you know, when you stop all that, those projects and you stop all that work, even though we know that it's going to get better, we couldn't carry um, the, all the employees that we had. Uh, and so we had to, um, you know, we had to separate some really, really great people um, from from the airline, and it was a it's a very, very tough day. It was, it was through no fault of their own um, that we had to do this, but we're a smaller airline and we're a smaller uh, technology team as a result, and so um, that was incredibly difficult that day. Thank you, Linda. Indeed, that that would be a very hard moment. I I, I can imagine. Thank you so much for your for your wonderful time today. I thoroughly enjoyed talking to you, and I'm sure the audience is going to learn uh, a lot from this conversation. Thank you again for joining us today. Thanks, Robbie. Thank you.